My name is John, John Cox. I'm actually the online pastor for Tomoka Christian Church, so I would be remiss if I didn't look in the camera and say, welcome. We're so glad that you're with us online. If you get a moment during the service, fill out that connection card and uh, push the button. It'll come to us so we know who you are, what's going on in your life, and ways that we can pray for or otherwise help your family. And to everyone else, let me say again, good morning and welcome. I'm so glad to be here with you today. They pulled me right out of the internet and put me on the stage. So here I am. It's been quite a journey. I don't know what journey you're on or where you are on the particular journey that you're on, but we're going to talk about journey a little bit today. When our kids were little and as they grew... My wife generally would plan little journeys. They were age appropriate. Places we would go, things that we would do, things that we thought the kids would like or otherwise tolerate. When they were real little, we would take them to see movies. One of them, so young, she would probably fall asleep. The other, if he didn't get scared at it, like we saw Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, I think they were warped for a long time thinking they could actually be shrunk. It was quite, quite a journey. But we enjoyed that, and on this particular day, we went to the movie theater, and this was right when theaters were transitioning from one showing at 2 o'clock to like four showings, 2 o'clock, 2.20, 2.30, and we had just got there in time, and we ran up to the line. I have to get the popcorn and the Coke, and I sent the kids and my wife on to the theater so they could get us good seats. And I'm carrying all this and I'm finding a way and the doors are shut. And I open up the theater door and step inside. And there's nobody in there. I mean, there's nobody. Not my wife, not my kids. Nobody. And I said, well, it's playing down the hall here. I open that door and the theater is completely full. I'm seeing like the backs of 300 heads that I've never seen before. And I'm sure that somewhere in that audience is my wife and two little children. And I've got to find them. So I'm going down the aisle like this. And I've I've been looking everywhere. And just that moment when the screen goes dark and you know the movie's about to play. It was at that moment I faced the audience and said, Deanna, where are you? Lots of laughter, no wife, no child. They were in yet another theater. I finally did find them. We had quite the conversation. That was the journey that day. That's kind of like the situation in the book of Genesis when God is dealing with Adam and Eve on the journey that they have taken, the course that they have laid out, the thing that they wanted to do. And God goes down to the garden to speak to them. Let's uh, bring another slide up. Yep. So Genesis 3, 9, you know the story. God is down in the garden. He's looking for Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve have sinned. And so they have decided to hide from God. Again, your kids ever try to hide from you? Like you don't know where they're going to be? You don't know how to find them. God steps in the garden and he's asking the question. But the Lord God called to them, to the man, where are you? That was his big question for Adam. 
And that's a great question to ask people of all ages, whatever station in life they're in. Where are you in relationship to God? That's the question that he's asking. Where are you in relationship to me? That's what he wants to know. Well, there's another question that pops up with another one of the uh, favorite people that we talk about. In fact, in Tuesday mornings, we've been talking a lot about Moses. And you know the scene with the burning bush. God is trying to convince Moses to be his man, to lead his people. And so Moses says to God, this is in Exodus 3. But Moses said to God, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Have you ever thought that question when you're dealing with your relationship to God and how you can respond to him? Who am I? Or have you ever come to a dead end in your life? Have you ever been at the end of your rope? No place to turn, no place to go. You've got no resources at all. And you ask the question, who am I? In our online ministry a couple weeks ago, a young lady entered the, um, the chat. She'd not been on before. And I did a direct chat with her. She had requested prayer and one of our online hosts entered that chat room and began to talk with her. And in just a moment, I got a message from him that said, hey, John, can you jump on this? So I jumped in that chat room and here's a a young lady, early 30s, in great distress, gone through a terrible divorce. She's brokenhearted, two small children, no transportation no job and she is wondering at this point who am I you ever watch Les Mis remember the character Jean Valjean and he sings that great song who am I well at one point in his life he was 24601 he was a prisoner Because he stole bread so that his, I think, so that his niece, that his little little niece could have something to eat. Who am I was the question for him. And he would go on to sing, I am Jean Valjean. And it's a change of mentality. It's a change of path. It's a different journey for him. And ultimately, for Moses, it's going to be the same kind of thing. Hey, don't be trapped in your current circumstances. Don't think that you aren't enough. You with God make a majority, not a minority. Where are you? Who am I? One more question. This is the question that was asked of David by the prophet Nathan. How about that? That was kind of cool. Then Nathan, the prophet, said to David. Now, you remember, David has committed sin with Bathsheba. He has had Bathsheba's wife put on the front lines, uh, Bathsheba's husband put on the front lines of the war, Uriah, and he was killed. 
And he took Bathsheba. And so Nathan the prophet is aware of this because God told Nathan to go to David. You are the man. Nathan tells the story to David. David says, who is this man? He shall not live in my kingdom. What he's done is, is awful. It's egregious. It's terrible. Tell me who he is. He will not live in my kingdom. And Nathan looks at him and with the power of God says, you are the man. And really, that's where the rubber hits the road for all of us. Ultimately, God knows where we are. He knows who we are. And he tells us we are the man. Now, without him, we're hopeless, helpless, heartless, and destined for hell. But with him, our world changes. Now, we may think, well, that's a nice story. That's an Old Testament kind of story. Does it really make a difference anywhere else? Well, in the New Testament, there's a story uh, that is so important that three of the four Gospels tell us this story. The Gospels together tell us that he is rich, whatever that means, and we don't know how he got it. Maybe he got it in the old-fashioned way. He inherited it from his parents. But he is rich. The gospel writers also tell us that he is young, whatever that means. I've always thought that young was just above where I am. But with each new day, that just about is impossible. He's rich. He's young. He's a ruler. Now, we don't know if he's a mayor of his town or of a city council or county commission or what it is. But he's found some way with his wealth and with his youth to become an influencer of people, a ruler. So he's got some kind of authority. So you would think this guy would be set. Rich, young, ruler. Well, the gospel writers also tell us that he runs to the feet of Jesus. And one of the writers says that he falls at the feet of Jesus. And almost as though he were begging, he begins to ask Jesus really questions about ultimately who he is. Where am I? Who am I? I am this man that the world understands. I'm rich, young, and a ruler. But... Lord, who am I in your eyes? You see, the reputation of Jesus had already spread. This episode in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, takes place around Capernaum, which in those days was a metropolitan city. It's at the crossroads of commerce. It's at the crossroads of religion. Any kind of religious teaching that you wanted to adhere to, listen to, learn about, you could find in that region. And so this rich young ruler in Matthew's gospel, chapter 19, beginning at verse 16, uh, he comes to Jesus and he asks as follows. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, so he already has heard the reputation of Jesus as a great teacher. Teacher, 
What good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now, for him, it might be, I've got all these awards on my wall. I've won this and I've won that and I've been recognized for this and I've done all these good things and I've helped the poor. What good thing, what one good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And that ultimately is his question. He is asking the question, what must I do to be saved? And folks, it's the question, it's, it's a burning question in society. They don't ask it so much like they used to, but they think about it. And they think about it by looking at your life as a Christian. You know, they look at your house as they're leaving with their boat on Saturday and coming back on Sunday night. And they know that you've, your car's been in the driveway all weekend except on Sunday morning or maybe Saturday night when you've gone to Tomoka, to Tomoka for church. And they want to know why is your life different. They want to know about your journey. And you can answer those questions for them. This young man comes to Jesus and asks those questions. Ultimately, what must I do to be saved? Verse 17, Jesus said, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. He says, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Now, you know, you can find the Ten Commandments in a couple places in the book of Exodus. And if you have that list in your hand or go back later, and as Pastor Joe would say, check me out, don't believe me, go look. And I'm glad he does that. Go look in the book of Exodus at the list of Ten Commandments. Jesus said, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, and let's count them. You shall not murder... Now, that comes right out of the Ten Commandments. Everybody with me? Great. You shall not commit adultery. That comes right out of the Ten Commandments. You shall not steal. Right out of the Ten Commandments. You shall not give false testimony. Right out of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. Right out of the Ten Commandments. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. That doesn't come out of the Ten Commandments. Remember Jesus said, I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So he is careful to teach this young man, look, you've kept all the commandments. Hey, what about this one? Well, the young man said, all these I've kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered him, if you want to be perfect. Now, Pastor Cord is real good with those Greek words, isn't he? He'll dig in and he'll tell you, now that word means, well, I'll tell you what that word perfect means. The word is teleos. It's from uh, where we get telescope. You look into something and you see in a far distance. It is perfection. It is a perfection in the same direction for a long period of time. It is complete. That's what it means. It's complete for as far as you can see. When I was a kid growing up on a farm, my great-grandfather about raised us. And every time we were together, he would say, now, you know whose cornfield that is? And I'd say, yeah, that's yours. I said, how far does it go? It goes for as far as you can see. Well, when I'm eight years old and the cord is seven feet tall, I can't see very far. But this young man is still with Jesus 
and still asking uh, these important questions. All these I've kept. If you want to be perfect, mature, or complete in your relationship to God, go and sell your possessions. Now, that's a big hang-up for a lot of people. It ends up being a big hang-up for this guy. But that's what he's telling this rich young ruler. You. It's not a universal you. It's not all of you going and selling all your possessions and giving to the poor. Because once those possessions are gone and sold and given, then you're going to end up needing possessions as well. But for this young man, he's telling him, look, for you, what you need to do is go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. The young man asks about eternal life and Jesus tells him that is the treasure. Remember the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? It's George Clooney. And one of the guys is seeking the treasure. And one of the other guys tells him, do not seek the treasure. Nobody knows that movie? Bad illustration. Jesus tells him, seek the treasure. Then, he says, come and follow me. Get your stuff right. And I've just told you what it is. Go do this. Wouldn't it be great if we could just have a 10-minute conference with Jesus? Lord, just tell me what it is that I need to do. Well, he's given us a whole book of instruction. And many of us, well, many people we know, haven't spent 10 minutes in it their whole life. He's giving us instruction. He's telling us how to live. Again, he says... Sorry, then, um, so when the young man heard this, he went away sad. Why? One of the saddest verses in the whole Bible, Matthew 19, verse 22. When he heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He had a lot of stuff. Isn't that terrible? To think that something we have that we can't let go of would keep us from enjoying the treasure of eternal life. When we got ready to move to Florida, I believe it is our last move, unless I'm told otherwise. But I believe that it is our last move. And so, oh my goodness, all the things that I got rid of, just... Trophies and plaques and banners and proclamations and pictures. And I took some pictures of a lot of things. I got a lot of pictures. But all that stuff is gone. But the young man had so much, he couldn't let it go. Well, let me give you four ways that this young man is a model for us. You might think, how could he be a model? Well, he is a model. Three positive ways and one negative. Okay? Are you tracking with me? Huh? All right, just making sure. Here we go. Number one, he went to the right place. Where did he go? He went to Jesus. He went to Jesus. He went to Jesus. And boy, there are so many different places we can go in our world aside from Jesus that are not the right place. And we've got to believe that Jesus is the only place 
You know, we live in the world of Google. And more specifically, we live in the world of Siri. Yeah, I mean, we ask questions all the time. I say we, one of the people in our house does. Hey, Siri. And right there she is with all the information. We don't have to go anywhere else. But when you get home today, ask Siri, what must you do to be saved? And see what Siri has to say. I doubt that it will be very helpful. We can go to books and clinics and movies, gurus, teachers, new age, old age. I have a friend on Facebook that I've never met. How about you? Maybe you know all the people on Facebook. I've never met her, but I can tell from her posts and she posts a lot. She's a lovely person. She is a Christian believer, but she also believes in other gods, other paths, other journeys. And you remember what Jesus said? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Without the way, there is no going. There's no journey. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no growing in your relationship to God. And that's what he was getting Adam and Moses and David and everybody else to do is grow. I, I don't know what that means. Is it, so it's 1119, right? We have a few minutes left. Okay. So he went to the right place. He went to Jesus. Second, he asked the right question. There are many people that don't mind coming on a Saturday or Sunday or Tuesday or Wednesday whenever you're gathering or even like you're at a restaurant and you ask if we could pray or there's a special service or, hey, we want to go to beach baptism and, and watch that. And they're like, you know, that's okay. But there are people that we know that just aren't asking the question. They're getting as close to Jesus as they want to. It's like standing Right at the edge of the deep end of a swimming pool, uh, and, and you, you, you put your big toe in and you get a sense, well, how does that feel? Well, that doesn't feel so bad. Then you might put your other toes in there and maybe part of your foot. But there's something that stops you from getting immersed. Did you get that? Did you get that? There's something that stops you from getting all the way in the pool. He asked the right question. The question was, what must I do to be saved? Third way that he is a model for us, he lived the right kind of life. Up to a point, he was a good guy. He kept the Ten Commandments. He probably was generous. He probably had a lot of good things going for him. The people that he ruled, he probably was a good ruler. But there was something about the right life that he was living that he was missing. Because remember the gospel says he runs to the feet of Jesus and throws himself there. It's like he has no place else to go. And the fourth thing is, and here's where he stops being a model for us. He made the wrong decision. Jesus said, look. You've come asking a great question. Glad you asked it. Here's the answer. 
I mean, the Lord is specifically answering this one question. He'd answer it for Adam as well. Adam, I know where you are. Come out of hiding. How silly is that? He'd answer it for Moses. Who am I? Moses, I know who you are. I know what you've done. But I know what you're going to do. And he answered it for David. And we have the book of Psalms. And we have so much else. Those guys and gals gave themselves to the Lord. He makes the wrong choice. He walks away from Jesus sad because he has great wealth. Can you imagine? It makes me want to ask the question, John, what is there that you have that you're unwilling to give up so that you can fully serve Jesus? And how about you? You know, for some of us, when we get to a certain age, and I'm going to say I'm getting close to that, we get to a certain age and, and there are people in our past who have done egregious things to us or hurt us. And those relationships become broken. And you know what? They're always going to stay broken. But maybe that's something that you could give up by making a call, writing an email, sending a note to see if there's any chance of a relationship being broken. Now, there are some that are just irreparably broken. I know someone that the next time I see him, to speak to him, will be in heaven. I fully believe that he'll be there. But how much sadness could we avoid? How much brokenness could we avoid? How much more joy could we find if we were on the journey that Jesus wants us to be on and taking others to heaven with us when we go? What's your journey? Are you following Jesus? Lord, we love you. We admit we have no idea what journey we are on, except that we're following your lead, even though we cannot see it. Let us faithfully follow you and never walk away sad, but with a full and grateful heart, rejoice in what you've done for us. In Jesus' name. A few minutes. If you've never accepted Jesus, you're online. There's a decision button there. Push it. If you've never accepted Jesus, you've come so close, you put your big toe in, but you're not where you need to be with him. There'll be people right over here who are willing to talk with you and pray with you. And God bless you as you make that decision to live for him.